Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Joseph's Biography by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, this morning I just thank you because, Lord God, nobody can box you in, nobody can hem you in, nobody can set parameters on you. You are the awesome, almighty, wonderful, glorious God. And right now, Lord God, I pray that this word would reach people's hearts, Lord God. And that it wouldn't return to your void. In your wonderful and glorious name. Amen. And amen. For those that have turned to Genesis 39, thank you. Um, whether it's by your devices or, or whether you've got hard copy like me, then uh, let's grab our Bibles and uh, let's, let's continue our, our journey through the life of Joseph. Uh, for those that tuned in last week, um, and, if you, and if you missed it, please go back and listen to last week's. It's, it's on our YouTube channel. Uh, for, but for those who tuned in last week, you'll understand we began with Genesis 37 and we looked at the life of Joseph. Now, uh, Joseph, this ruddy little 17-year-old, has, has got many dreams that God's placed in his heart. But what we learned was there's a, an enormous lesson to be learned from a place called Dothan. And some of the lessons that we learn are, well, first of all, uh, not everything goes our way. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, The life of Joseph highlights very clearly, and we're going to see more of that today as we work our way through today's scriptures. Uh, We're going to see that not everything always goes according to our plans. We saw that last week. And although things went, uh, took a horrible turn for Joseph last week, we learned that a, a little place called Dothan, we could learn some lessons. And those three lessons were that God's word never fails. That God uses pits in our lives, natural occurrences sometimes to to do some work in our hearts. And of course, that God is still in control. That's the most important one. That God is still in control. But for those who uh, read the pastor's comments on a Sunday morning, and if, if, if you're not on our mailing list, then please let us know. We're happy to put you on that mailing list. But this morning I wrote... Uh, in the pastor's comments about when God puts us in a holding pattern. I don't, I don't know about ha- how many people here fly. I don't fly all that often because I don't like it. I, d- I don't like flying. Uh, I've always said I'd rather travel by boat than plane because I can swim, but I can't fly if anything goes wrong, okay? But uh, for most of us that travel a lot, we'll understand what it's like to be put in a holding pattern. You know, you kind of, um, you, you take off from one destination, you're heading to another destination, you, you get all the way there and then whatever's happened is going on and the, the air traffic controller has, has come over the airwaves and said, I've got to keep you at this altitude circling in this pattern. It's like a holding pattern. Sometimes God puts us in holding patterns too. And there's some lessons we can learn from that. The first one is um, whenever an air traffic controller puts a plane in into a holding pattern, there's always a good reason. There's an enormous amount that's going on on the ground that the pilots are unaware of and the passengers are completely oblivious to. They're, They're completely unaware of what's going on. But there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes. Very important stuff quite often that means you can't land right now. Sometimes what happens when we're put in holding patterns is we get diverted to different runways. We get diverted to different terminals. We, we get diverted sometimes to different airports for whatever reasons. <laughs> and all stuff for our better good and our better safety. It can be like that with God sometimes too. You know, what the life of Joseph teaches us is just, just like Joseph, we can have our 
we have sort of our own schedule, you know. We have our own time frames, just like when we get on a plane. We have schedules, we have time frames, we have agendas that we're trying to uphold and upkeep. But, but at the end of the day, there are circumstances that are out of our control. There are circumstances that are out of control of the pilot. He's, he's going to try and get you there on time. And the life of Joseph, the biography of Joseph, because that's, that is absolutely the, the heading for today's message, is Joseph's biography. The biography of Joseph is like somebody that was put in a holding pattern. And, and while Joseph is in a holding pattern, as uncomfortable and inconvenient as that is, that God is doing an enormous amount in the background of his life. I think that's a message for our times that I think God may have put us in a holding pattern right now and he's doing an enormous amount in the background and we won't see it until we land and then we go, oh, okay, that's what you've been doing all this time, God. That's that's kind of like hindsight, something we spoke about last week. But we find ourselves in peculiar times, friends, and we find ourselves right now, we find ourselves in very challenging circumstances. It's a very... It's a very pivotal moment for the church right now. It's a very pivotal moment for the, for the people of God right now. Some years ago, I, I spoke a message called the God of the capital G. I don't, I don't know who, who may have listened to that or who could remember that. But, but in that message, I spoke about something that dawned on me. Um, my life as a pastor means I've got to write more. I don't do it very well. But I've had to write more. I've had to, I do more writing. I write rock reflections, a daily devotional. I write pastor's comments. I, I write a lot of emails. I never used to write emails, but I, I do a lot more writing. And I've also found that in all of my writing as a pastor, I, I use the word God or the name God a lot more. And every time I do, I deliberately, whenever I reference God, I use a capital G for God <laughs> or a capital H for him. He deserves that, if nothing else. But, but why do I do that? Why, why, why do I use a capital G? Because... I'm actually talking about a person because when I reference God in all of my writing, uh, for me, I'm referencing somebody very real. He's very real to me. He's an actual person to me. He's, you see, I, I believe in God because, yes, there's an enormous amount of evidence and, and good reasoning that points, but uh, beyond that, I have a lot of personal experience that attributes to the fact that God is real. He's a real person. He's my father. I belong to him. He's my God. I use a capital G because God to me is not a God. He's my God. And right now we stand at a point in the church. Right now we're going to move into a moment for Joseph. And we're going to find out for Joseph whether God has a capital G or a small g. Whether God is his God or whether God is a God. What do I mean by that? Now, following God and worshipping God for Joseph is not going to be because his father does this. It's not, it's, not, it's not because everybody else does it. It's not because I've always gone to church. Now that he's in Egypt and where he is, we're going to pick it up in a moment and pick up his story in a moment. But because of where he is, we're going to find out whether God comes with a capital G for Joseph or a small g. Something else more interesting is we're going to see that some people that use God with a small g change it to a capital G. God becomes a reality to somebody who wasn't before. Before we hit this chapter, I'm enormously excited this morning because I've preached on this chapter before, many years ago when, when I was at a different church. I've preached on this chapter before. 
This was the chapter. There was one line in this chapter that revolutionized my life. That sermon was, well, was more of a sermon for me then than it was for anybody else. And so I'm excited about preaching this this morning. But I also come with some somber soberness in some respects because I realise that just as we're about to find out for Joseph whether God comes with a capital G for him, we're, we're also about to find that out for everybody in the church in Australia and for many across the globe. We're going to find out right now. We can't gather like we used to. Um, worshipping God's going to be more than just attending church. Uh, now we're going to find out whether God's got a capital G for you or a small g. Is God to you your God or is he just a God? We pick up the story for Joseph uh, in chapter, chapter 39, verse 1. It says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. We know what's happened. He, he was, by his brothers, he was sold to some Ishmaelite traders. And uh, it just so happened, one of those moments of just so happened. And now he's been brought down to Egypt. And have a think for a moment. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes if you can. If you can, just put yourself in his shoes for a moment. And one, I wonder whether there's some similarities here because Joseph finds him in a place that's, he finds himself in a place that's, that's enormously confusing. He, he finds himself in a place that's enormously uncertain. He doesn't know what his future holds. Anybody, anybody else feel like that right now? Anybody else feel like this is not what I signed up for? Anybody else feel like oh, I thought I was going to grow up in the land of Canaan with all of my family and everything was going to be nice and peaceful and comfortable and all of a sudden my boat's getting enormously rocked and I don't know whether I'm going to, I don't know whether this is going to hold right now. This is a pretty big storm. Anybody, anybody else feel like that? Because that's how Joseph feels. He's in Egypt away from his dad. He's not sure whether he'll ever see his dad, his brothers, his mother again. He's, he's not sure what will become of them. He's not even sure what will become of him. He's a slave now. He, he doesn't live his own life anymore. He's, he's a slave. The Egyptians weren't known for being nice. And he's 17 years of age. But yet, we will see that Joseph, uh, the glorious truth about Joseph is it doesn't matter where he is, he still worships God. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And, and so Potiphar's the one who buys. He finds himself in Potiphar's house. Most of us know the story of Joseph and Potiphar and and Potiphar's wife. We're going to work our way through that this morning. But but Potiphar is the chief officer, or he's the chief guard. He's like the he's like the modern day head of uh, special services, or the or, or the president's detail. You know, he's kind of the the pharaoh's top guy. Joseph finds himself in his house now. Now, if you were a criminal, you found yourself in the hands of this man somewhere along the line. It's interesting to find out as we work along. So Joseph, uh, at the moment, finds himself in a place that's, that's way out of wherever he's, he's used to. It's, it's a place that's uncertain. And now we're going to begin to see what's going on with Joseph. But verse 2 says something. We're now going to read a verse I think is the most important verse for everybody that's listening this morning to hear. 
the most important verse right now is verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, uh, I, I don't know how many people here have read biographies. I, I've read quite a few biographies, particularly of Christian leaders of the past. I've, I've read quite a few biographies, but, but I've noticed something with biographies. Um, what happens on the front cover of a biography is we try, to, we try to coin or we try to catch a person's life in one sentence. So uh, for those who, to bring it to a more modern flavour, for those who know Shane Warne, his biography is Shane Warne, <laughs> spin on this. <laughs> what? Okay, let's leave the gestures alone for a moment. But uh, of course, everybody knows Shane Warne was a spin bowler, a very good spin bowler, a great athlete actually. Um, but... Uh, we're trying to capture his whole life, a coin his whole life. Well, if you were doing that for Joseph, you would, on Joseph's biography, if you were writing Joseph's biography, uh, on the front cover it would read, Joseph, <laughs> the Lord was with him. You know, I, I haven't been to too many funerals, praise God. I, I haven't been to too many gravesites, praise God. But, but I've noticed something about gravestones. They try to do the same thing, don't they? Uh, on a a gravestone you might have somebody's name and you'll have the year the the years that they lived and how old they were and then somebody tries to capture their life with like one sentence (laughs) if Joseph had a headstone this is what would be on his headstone the Lord was with him what's the most prominent definitive point of Joseph's life the Lord was with him Now, if I said to you, what's the most important thing about Joseph? Some people might say, oh, yeah, well, he was, he, he was nearly killed by his brothers. He was put into a pit or, or he was sold into Egypt and he got put into prison. Uh, some might say, well, you know, yeah, he, came, he became very important and became the prime minister of Egypt. Yeah, all of those things are moments in his life. But the most important definitive attribute of Joseph is the Lord was with him. Because in all of those other circumstances, this is what defined Joseph. When he found himself in prison, and we're going to get there before we finish today, uh, when he finds himself in the bottom of a pit, when, when, he's, when he's on the caravan with the Ishmaelites, when he's in Potiphar's house, the, the Lord was with him. I want everybody to know right now that whatever the current circumstances seem like for you, the Lord is with you. That's a beautiful promise. You know, Reinhard Bonnke, before he passed away, which he did recently, he, he preached one of his greatest messages, which was on the verse, lo, I am with you always. The greatest promise in scripture, Jesus says, lo, I am with you always. I will, I, I will never leave you, never forsake you. You remember those words? God has promised to be with us. Do you know God is here right now? God, God is in this room right now. When, when I go to the supermarket, God is with me. What a beautiful, beautiful truth that is. When, when I go to see the doctor, God is with me. And wherever you find yourself, God is with you. And here's, here's one thing, you know, one thing we learn about the Gospels. And I want to be very clear about this. If, if anybody listening to me today, if you in any way, shape or form, if, if you were sold a Gospel that says, you know, when you come to Jesus, <laughs> your life's going to be rosy, then can you please go and get a refund? Go, go and get your money back because you were sold the wrong Gospel. You know, the promise of the gospel is not that God gives us a better world <laughs> or that God jazzes up your world. No, that's, that's not the promise of the gospel at all. The promise of the gospel is that you will be saved out of the world. That's the promise of the gospel. 
You see, the truth of the matter is that God never denies us the furnaces of life. God never denies that life will have its furnaces. But you know, in life's furnaces, when God's presence is definite, then the flames are irrelevant. We know the story a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about navigating Babylon and I spoke about three really important guys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Well, that's the names that the Babylonians have given them. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Uh, And these three guys found themselves in a very compromising position. And of course, we know what happens. These guys are threatened to be put into the fiery furnace. And these guys go into the fiery furnace. Do you know, these guys, these guys had enormous faith, but they still went through the furnace. Do you know that these guys honoured God, but they still went through the furnace? Do you know that these guys loved God immensely? God was a God with a really big capital G for these guys and Daniel, but they still went through the furnace. But what was different was, somebody was in the furnace with them. The promise of the gospel is not that God will remove the furnaces of life. He promises his presence. I will be with you. I will be with you. When when you go to the doctors to get that diagnosis, I will be with you. When, When you face financial ruin for whatever reason, I will be with you. When... When, when maybe even more poignant right now, when you find yourself in the Centrelink line, I will be with you. And the other beautiful truth about those three guys is they went into the furnace, but the furnace never consumed them. And when Nebuchadnezzar looks in, of course, he sees not three, but four, because somebody else was with him. One like the Son of God, it says. So the Lord was with Joseph, and when... When God's presence is definite, then the flames are irrelevant. It's kind of like the disciples in the boat with Jesus. They're going across the lake. The wind picks up. The waves are lapping into the boat. Jesus, sound asleep. What? This guy take a couple of pills or what? What's going on here? And they wake him up and say, Lord, are you not concerned? We're, we're about to be consumed here. We're... We're about to drown here and Jesus rebukes them for a lack of faith. Why? Well, what, uh, is, that sounds almost unfair, but they forgot who it was that they had in the boat. God's presence. They had God's presence. The wind and the waves were completely irrelevant because of who it was that was in the boat. with them. Friends, I want to encourage you today to take these words away with you. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're, whatever you're walking into, whatever, whatever Monday looks like for you, I want you to understand one thing. <laughs> the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. But this had a, this had a profound effect. I, I, I love this. Let's get reading on. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and was in the house of his Egyptian master. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all he did to succeed in his hand. His master saw it. His master saw it. God's presence makes an enormous difference. I want to encourage everybody right now, wherever you find yourself, uh, wherever you step out to tomorrow, I want you to know one very important thing. The world is watching the church right now. The world is watching us. Why? It's kind of like... uh, Right now, there, uh, there is an enormous flood 
of calamity that's coming upon the world where we've got enormous economic difficulties and challenges facing every country on the globe right now. We have enormous health challenges facing every country on the globe right now. We have a, we have a sea, uh, people are being swamped. And right now, those that are in the water clambering, to stay, they're looking for hope. They're looking for something solid. They're looking to us because they don't have a hope. They're looking to us because in all of their uncertainty, they're clambering for certainty and they're looking at what our conduct will be like. I want to ask everybody that's listening this morning a question. Do you know, in everything that's sweeping the globe right now, all of the circumstances we find around about us right now, I want you to know one very important truth. God hasn't changed. Not one Jot, not one tittle, not one iota. God hasn't changed. He's immutable. He's the unchangeable God. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So the question I have is what's happening going to change you? Has it changed the way you think about God? Are these circumstances changing your hope? Have they, have they altered your peace? Hmm. We have an enormous opportunity. We have an enormous opportunity. If we, if we read on here, it says, So Joseph found favour in his sight and attended him and, and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Verse 5, From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Notice that? You know, God, right now, we stand with an enormous opportunity. Why? Because God is looking to bless other people through us. God is looking to bless other people through you right now. Wherever you find yourself, at your workplace, in your school environment, wherever it is, God is looking for you to be an avenue of blessing, an avenue of hope, an avenue of peace. Mm. What did God say to Abraham? I will bless you and through you I will bless the nations. What's he saying? I'm going to lavish my blessing on you, Abraham, but I'm going to make you an avenue by which a covenant comes and I bless the nations. And through Abraham we have Jesus. Friends, we stand at an enormous opportunity because so many are looking for hope, so many are looking for answers. You see, Jesus is not just, we know that Jesus is not just a good teacher. We know that he was not just a good prophet. We know that he was not just anything. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was not anything. He is. He's alive today. He's risen from the dead. Uh, Please tune in next Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, for those that Um, For those that are unaware, Good Friday, we will have a Good Friday message posted this Friday. For those that want to sit down and listen to a short message, Good Friday. And then Resurrection Sunday. Men, we are going to celebrate. What a time to celebrate. We live in a time when we need to celebrate. We have something to celebrate next Sunday. Let's show the world that we've got something inside of us that causes us to celebrate. And that is the empty tomb, friends. There's nobody in there. Jesus is, stop going to the tomb and leave your spices at home. Jesus is not in there. And what we have, the world is craving right now. 
God's shaking his church. God is shaking the leaders in the church. It's very exciting. God's shaking non-believers right now. Shaking all of us. I want to come down now. In all that we see of Joseph, you might be sitting there wondering, well, what about it then? Is, is God the God of the capital G? And what does that even look like for Joseph? I'm, I'm glad you asked this morning because I'm sure everybody's asking that question. And if, and if you had the opportunity, I'm sure you'd be asking me that question right now. So let's answer that because I, I can remember preaching on this chapter and I, I, this one verse we're going to get to now changed, changed my prayer life. And I've got to tell you, it changed, the, it changed the direction and the momentum of my life. It was like God, it was like God shined the light on me in the dark, you know, and I, and I was exposed because, let's just read from verse 6. It says, now Joseph was, a handsome, was handsome in form and appearance, a bit like myself, you know. If, you, if, you're, looking for a, if you're looking for a picture. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Hello. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything that he has in my charge, he is not greater in this, no one is greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself because you are his wife. Now, here's the verse. Now, for those that aren't on soft copy this morning, and for, for those that have got the hard copy, I hope you've got a highlighter because I want you to highlight verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, but I want you to highlight this verse because it says, now Joseph goes on and says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What? Uh, stop the bus. What's so prominent about that, Pastor? Well, what's so profound about that scripture is what Joseph did not say. You know, here he is in the land of Egypt. He's nowhere near his family. He's undergone enormous hardship. The Australian bloke is thinking this guy owes himself a little bit of a favour here, you know. Who's going to see? Who's going to know? But Joseph doesn't say, how can, I, how can I do this great wickedness that my father might find out? He doesn't say, how can I do this great wickedness? Because what would Potiphar say? He, he doesn't even say, how can I do it? What will people think of me if I do this? He doesn't. No, he says, how can I do this? And, uh, this great wickedness against God. He's worried about offending God. He's not worried about offending Potiphar. He's not worried about offending his, he, anybody else. He says, how can I do this and offend God? Because God has a big capital G for me. I can't offend him. This is, this is a man that is absolutely in connection with the presence of God. God is, for Joseph, God is right here. And it matters to him. I, I've used this analogy, for those that have heard me, I've used this analogy before. I'll use it again right now uh, to try and explain my point here. This is about what Joseph values. We need to, I need to highlight that. Right now, we're living in times right now, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a record, if you like. I'm going to, for, the, for those that are listening this morning and we're, we're looking for a prophecy, I've got one for you right now, so to speak. Uh, I, I want to tell you right now, what we are going to discover, what the next weeks and the next months are going to discover in your life, my life, everybody's life, here's what we're going to begin to discover right now, what it is that we really, truly value, or who it is that we really, truly value. We're going to... 
we're going to begin to find out how much we value God. You see, you take church away as we know it. And church still exists. This building doesn't define the church. But you take church away as we know it. You take community away as, you, as we know it. You take away some of the things we get used to. And is God still as valuable to you? I remember the first time I read this verse and the first time I preached on it, I feel like a ton of bricks. I thought, you know what, God, I, my life is about so much more right now. I remember, uh, I remember back in Tasmania, there's a little place called Denali. This still seared in my mind this moment. Denali is this little town. It's, it's, near, the Derwent, it's, it's near the Derwent River. But, but what had happened was there were some bushfires burning and nobody saw a change in the weather on this particular day. But the weather change can do in Tasmania, believe it or not. With, with almost the snap of the fingers, the weather changed, the wind changed and picked up and now blew that fire like a storm towards this little place called Dunalley. <laughs> little town. And um, most of the people in Dunalley had just enough time to run down to the water and jump into the water. There's people on their phones for like two hours filming this, this inferno around them. Afterwards, that night on the news, uh, the reporter is interviewing a man that is standing in front of what used to be his house. He's he, nothing left. <laughs> nothing. No cars, no boats, no nothing. Not even a resembling photo frame or anything. Nothing, just ashes. And this reporter asked this guy, he says, well, how do you feel? He says, you know what? He says, strangely liberated. I thought, what? Strangely liberated. He said, you know what? He said, before the fire, he said, my whole life was wrapped up in in this house and working harder and getting more things and, and what it was that we possessed. He says, but now I realise uh, the most valuable thing to me is what I've got right here. And that was his family. His value had been what he valued and all of a sudden changed for this guy. He said, this is liberating. I don't have to worry about that anymore. The fire took it away from me. <laughs> Maybe God's lit a few fires in people's lives right now and we're going to see what it is that we value. But for, for the sake of an analogy, I wonder if you would bear with me for a moment. Imagine that I've got a doll in my hand. Imagine that I've got a, uh, represents a baby, but I've got a doll in my hand. Now, look, this doll, I, I might pick this doll up by the leg. I might swing it around. You know, I, I, if I drop it, I just pick it up. I don't care. I, I, you know, when I'm done with this doll, I might chuck it off the stage to, to somebody sitting out there. And if you catch it, great. If you don't, who cares? You know, it's a doll. But if you give me a real baby, I was, there. I was there for the birth of every one of my children. And, and when you first hold that baby in your arms, it's like, woo, you know, and, and you're scared you're going to do something to hurt it, you know. Cause it's, and, and now that I'm holding a real baby, how many people know that I'm not going to hold it by the leg and hold it upside down? <laughs> we kind of stopped that in the 60s, right? And so now we don't smack them on the bum upside down anymore. We should be smacking them more later in life. But, but, but we're going to hold the baby like this. And, and if I pass that baby to someone, I'm not going to chuck it. I'm not going to pick it up and chuck it by the leg. I'm going to come over really gently and, and, and pass it Why? My whole behaviour, my whole attitude and my whole posture has changed. Why? Because I value that baby far more than I do the doll. And what we see in the life of Joseph here is his behaviour, his attitudes, his whole posture of life is enormously different. Why? Because he values God. 
Neither is God. Living life with the God of the capital G is valuing the God of the Bible. If if you were asked right now, if somebody knocked on your door right now and, and said in three minutes a fire is going to hit your house and wipe out everything, grab what you can and run, I wonder what it is we have in our arms. I wonder what it is that we value the most that would be in our arms as we're running out the doors. I ask you, what do you have in your arms? What do you value the most? What is it or who is it that you value the most? But that's not where it ends for uh, poor old Joseph. (laughs) No, 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 that's not where it ends because we know that although he resists here, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? This is what we call sanctifying the Lord. That's the message I preached uh, many years ago at another church. It was called sanctifying the Lord. And to sanctify somebody or something as holy is to take something from the place of the very ordinary and put it in the place of the very special. You see, that doll is just something very ordinary to me. I am flippant with that doll. I am nonchalant with that doll. I, I don't care about that doll. But a baby I value very highly. Uh, that, that baby to me is very, is very sanctified as holy because I value it. I I treat it completely differently. And I began praying from that moment, Lord, sanctify yourself in my heart as holy. Take yourself from the place of the ordinary. I realised when I read that verse, I I realised when I preached that sermon, I realised when I got up the next morning after preaching that sermon, I realised something. I said, God... uh, uh, You're far too ordinary in my heart. And God began stripping a lot of stuff out of my life. God started readjusting my priorities. God started readjusting what it was that I valued. And I believe God's doing that to his church right now. And I'm excited. I'm excited. Just just watch what God will do with the person who sanctifies him as holy. Just watch what God would do with a church. Don't ever forget that uh, for those that are reading Rock Reflections, we're, we're starting our walk through the, through the book of Acts. Don't ever forget that everything you read in the book of Acts started with 120 people in the upper room. <laughs> Don't ever forget that. 120 people that were sold out for God and said, we're here no matter what. I wonder if that's you today. Here's my prayer for this church right now. Here's my prayer for everybody that's listening right now. My prayer is this, is that God will sanctify himself as holy in your heart. Been praying that for a long time. Maybe that's what he's doing right now. Let's, let's, let's work our way to a close this morning. We know what happens with Joseph next. It's the story of when, just when you think things couldn't get any worse, of course, we know what happens. He is... He is falsely entrapped and accused by Potiphar's wife. She, she drums up a whole lot of false accusations. She, she brings him before Potiphar. Potiphar's shattered. If you read, the, if you read this, the rest of this chapter, he's shattered. Why? Because it, I've been blessed since this guy's here, but I've got to act. Now, Joseph should have expected death. But Potiphar is lenient and gives him jail. 
And he finds himself in prison. He finds himself unjustly in prison. He finds himself in prison due to a set of circumstances that are out of his control and not his fault. Truth is, and Joseph highlights this, sometimes bad things happen to good people. If you tuned into our Ecclesiastes series some time ago, you will have known that when we walked our way through that book, he lifted the lid on the truth that the bad things happen to good people. Sometimes good things happen to bad people. But nothing changes for Joseph. Let's, let's read verse 19. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. Verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Now, now we come to verse 21, and, and I know right where you are right now, Terry, you'll have a chuckle, because Terry loves this next word, because the next word is one of the, this is actually one of the most important words in the Bible. Wherever you come across this word, just stop for a moment. It's the word but. Some of the buts in the Bible are not great. This is a great but. Joseph finds himself in prison. Joseph finds himself ostracised. Joseph finds himself... Just when you... Egyptian prisons were not known as being the holiday camps that many prisoners may enjoy today. No, no, no. He was in an Egyptian prison. He would have been treated, mistreated. You don't... You don't play around with the chief's wife and get treated nicely when you get there even though that's not what he did. Verse 21, but I want everybody to know that we need to grab hold of the but the Lord's in our lives right now. We live amongst a sea and a flood of information right now. Uh, It doesn't matter what channel you tune into. It doesn't matter what time of day you tune into the television. Everything seems to be coronavirus, 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 COVID-19, the the ruby princess this, the the daily numbers this, the the death toll around the world and, and the doom and gloom that's been predicted on TV. Friends, we need to show caution. We need to show wisdom. We need to be prepared. But friends, come on. We need to also be careful who and what it is we're listening to. If you listen to everything on TV, you would put yourself in a straitjacket, find a hole in the ground and come out in six months. I want everybody to grab hold of this verse because this verse is absolutely prominent for all of us right now. It doesn't matter what place we find ourselves in, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Gave him favour. Or another word for that word favour is grace. Uh, 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 Sorry, uh, Genesis chapter 7. The, uh, chapter 6, it says, sorry, it says that Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord, or uh, it actually should be translated, Noah found grace. Joseph here, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him grace. You know, apart from Jesus, one of the most faith-filled men of the New Testament was a man by the name of Paul and Paul knew great hardship and Paul knew great suffering. 
In fact, Jesus said to Ananias <laughs> concerning Paul, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And, and Jesus backed up his word. But in 2 Corinthians 12, we read a very interesting passage. First of all, Paul talks about a man talking about himself. He talks about a man that was caught up to the third heaven and saw things that he could not put into words. You notice people that have really had that experience with God, they haven't got words to explain it. Some people make it sound like I've just gone down to the shop and get a carton of milk. I'm I'm not sure of the validity there. But but Paul says, I saw things that I couldn't put into words. And he goes on and says, he says, I had a thorn in the flesh. Everybody knows about the thorn in the flesh. You know, it's not your children. (laughs) It's not... It's not your wife, it's, it's not your boss or that guy you work with. That's not the thought. We don't really know. Most, most commentators and theologians point to the fact that it was a physical ailment. Interesting, by the way. Now, Paul says he prayed three times that it would be taken away from him. And each time, Jesus said something very prominent to him. My grace is sufficient for you. And look, we live in circumstances right now. (laughs) How many of us are saying, God, take this thorn of COVID-19 away. This is uncomfortable. This is inconvenient. What, What maybe God is saying to every one of us, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace, my favor, my my un unmerited favor is sufficient for you. I want everybody to stop listening to all the voices of the world and and listen to this verse that says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison put Joseph, let's read the rest of this chapter, in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to succeed. Friends, I have one word today, and that is that the Lord is with you. I have one question today. Is God for you the God of the capital G? 2,000 years ago, Joseph is almost a a shadow or a stereotype of Jesus, one so, so unjustly treated by those closest to him. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus was separated from the presence of God so that we never have to be. We don't have to be separated from the presence of God. I want to I want, to, I want to encourage everybody here. Tozer encourages every one of us to be people who practice the presence of God. God is with you, so therefore practice the presence of God. What does it mean to practice the presence of God? It, it means to, like Tozer says, he says, throw up a, a thousand thought prayers a day. It's about, it's about where we turn our consciously turning our attention and focus towards God. It's about seeking God. It's about what we read. It's about what we give our attention to. It's about praying. Right now is the time to practice the presence of God. Friends, the Lord is with you. 
it doesn't matter what is going on, doesn't matter where you find yourself, you can know the beautiful presence of God. And here's the actual truth. It is the presence of God that is going to make a difference in this world. It's, it's, it's not fancy programs. It's not great strategies. It's, it's none of those things right now. Right now, as we saw with Joseph, what's going to make a difference in a world that is hurting right now is the actual presence of God. God's presence is what makes the difference. Does God's presence go with you? Is God the God of the capital G for you? Let's pray. Father, I pray for every person this morning that is listening, wherever they find themselves, whatever circumstances, whatever storms they are facing right now, I pray for them, Lord God, that you would sanctify yourself as holy in our hearts. I pray that every person, Lord, living God, by your power and your grace, that you would go from being ordinary in our lives to being the very special. That, Lord God, right now you would sift our values. That right now you would sift our priorities. That right now, oh God, you would find us surrendered to you. I pray every person that listens to this, Lord, would know that the Lord is with them, that your presence is with us, that that we can know your presence. You are not just some some mythical, uh, mythical writing on a piece of paper. You are the creator of the universe that wants to know us all individually and intimately. And nothing in this world can take you away from us. No circumstance in this world can take away our hope. Nothing can disturb the peace of God because it passes all understanding. Nobody can rob us of your presence. Nobody can rob us of our assurance. Father, we pray right now as we face this storm, we recognise the one that is in the boat. And as a nation, Lord God, and as a people right now, we just look to you, we rely upon you, we place all of our faith and our trust in you. Lord, you speak to the storm when you are ready. But we know, Lord, that when you speak, the wind and the waves will be silent. Lord, I pray right now, glorify yourself in our lives. Glorify yourself amongst this church. Glorify yourself in this city and in all of these circumstances, Lord, glorify your name. I ask these things in your wonderful name. Keep every person, I pray, keep them. Let them know your steadfast love and your grace at this time, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Rock Church, uh, I thank you and I pray God's richest blessings on you. I I want everybody to know uh, I miss you dearly. We all love you dearly. And we will see you soon and talk soon. God bless and God's grace be with you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.